slow. Your trap slow, my nigga. I feel sorry for you. Sorry, nigga. Cause we banging hand to hand, getting it in them holes. I'm talking transactions, CDS, them distributions. We going hard with this shit. We need our restitution. I love my nigga, so I do whatever for my dog. Nigga, say he need me, and I got him. He'll never fall. I'm coming in the clutch, something like I'm Kyrie. You niggas bluffing, man. I wish you niggas would try. Be down, and guess what? We need answers. Sweeney Answers, episode 102. We back again with Antonio Brill, Shropshire, continuing this series to talk about his book, The Shropshire Organization, as well as his case involving the GTTF squad. The show on HBO, We Own the City. We got into a little bit more this time, um, and bear with me. Like I said in the last episode, because we only get 15 minute phone calls. So I was able to squeeze in two phone calls in, in, in this one and um, get some more information out. But like I said on the last one, check out that book. Uh, it's, it's a very visual reading, um, very interesting read. And keep following us for the series to continue as well. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and the podcast apps. Always remember, I do promotion and commercial on the podcast. Podcast, DM me or reach out through email at we need answers inc at gmail.com. And we can chop it up about some promo. And again, stay tuned with the stay in tune with the series. And lock in. There's a lot of good information coming. There's some more good episodes coming. Monitoring at any time. To accept this call, press 5. To block, you may begin speaking now. What's Yo, up, boss? What's going on? How are you? I'm doing all right, champ. I'm just holding on. Already. Same here. I can't, can't complain at all. See, we can get right into it for real. I got my... uh. Got my questions for you. I've been reading that book too. I, you, you paint a real vivid picture in this book. I, I can picture everything you've been talking about on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, one of the one of the things that I when I was reading the book, I can't remember what part or what chapter it was, but one of these quotes that stood out to me is when you said, "Everything I planned, I did, but what." I didn't realize was I drew a, a roadmap that led me to a fed institution. So yeah, talk, I, go ahead. No, I federal, yeah, federal correct institution. Yeah, I, I know that statement. So what, what was, what was the, uh, uh, about everything you planned you did? What was, what was some of the stuff you planned that you, that you ended up doing? Was it the street shit or just life, everything that happened in life period? Well, it was definitely all the street shit for real because once you, once you understand that a lot of us are sick, I was sick, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I indulged in a culture that led me to this particular life and that was designed for me to fail. It was all, it was all by design. Right. So, you know, when I indulged in that uh, culture and in that life, you know, I said, okay, well, I'm... I want to be this. I want to do that. I'm trying to get money. I see guys getting money. They're selling dope. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to go ahead and sell me some dope. And I want to be a boss one day. I want to I wanna do this. I want to do that. So all the things that I planned and created for myself to 
become this boss or this real guy. You know, it was all a plan, and then and it was a plan, and it was a roadmap that led me to prison. That's this is where I'm at. I've been arrested probably over fifty times. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like this is where I'm at. Right. So I planned it all just to end up in prison today, 2022, for 25 years. What sense does that make? Right. Right. Did you ever at any point in your life, did you ever have any other plans or it was straight? You all, all you knew was the streets and that was it. Um, I had a few uh, entrepreneurial plans and um, I didn't successfully complete them because I was gambling. I was fucking up money and um, my concept of money, I didn't respect money or my freedom. So all I basically knew was the street. So it's like, I thought I had a plan, but I really didn't. You just ain't executed. Yeah, basically, yeah. I would say that. Yeah, that's accurate. So with that, with that being said, with you knowing that, because basically you saying you manifested your whole life for real, and and with that, with that being said, once you come home, you already got a, a plan in motion for what you want to do. Uh, absolutely, I have a plan for what I want to do when I come home. Most definitely. Okay. Okay, that's what it is. That's yeah, I got a big plan. Okay, all right. I don't want I don't keep it. Keep it. I was saying if you wanted to share it now, but if not, keep it tucked and then show us. No, I mean I can't. I mean it's just. I mean it, uh, it will be a a whole a discussion about the plan. Got you, got you. I, I feel you. I got you. So I'm getting sold into the book though with the youth and all that. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. You know, one of the plans, the okay. non-profit. You know what I'm saying? To try to get the youth in order. Yeah, I I I, I you I read the part when you mentioned some of that too. And it's, uh, that's something that I did for a long time, and it be seeming far-fetched because, you you know, it's, we outnumbered when it comes to that. There's new kids growing up every day, but right. it don't, you never know. If you touch one or two lives, you don't know what impact it could, is, it could make in their life and change their direction for real because you got the story to, to, to go along with it. So they only going to go with what's real. Ain't no question. So uh, another thing that stood out to me is when you said you started the wave of the prepaid phones around your way. How you tap into that? Um, like I explained in the book, I was out Sedonia hustling, and um, guys, there was you know uh, one particular guy. This call is from a federal prison. There's one particular guy out Sedonia. You know what I'm saying? He took me under his wing, and they was out there doing their thing on the phones. Mm-hmm. And um, but what I noticed was they. They had, like, contract phones. They was paying, like, a bill on it. Yeah. So then I started seeing these um, uh, prepaid phones and, like, Family Dollar, the little rising joints. So once I stopped hanging out with Sedonia, I took the little phone hustle I picked up from out there because I was busy off the page of doing it. Yeah. So I picked the phone hustle up from out of there. I seen the prepaid phones in the store. I'm like, shoot, I'm going to grab the prepaid phones. And I was, like, um basically on a, on the internet always googling uh like police uh techniques and investigation techniques and like little different things and i was reading stuff and i see that you know the phones was a major part in a lot of different like you know uh dealing with investigation techniques so i was like let me go ahead do these prepaid phones johnson i'll roll like that and get rid of them as soon as you're done with them yeah and then i I kind of feel like I started that wave and everybody want to prepay phones and everybody, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. I was, wasn't the type of guy who didn't share uh, my knowledge. Right. I felt like I knew something and I was fucking with you and you was around me. 
I'm gonna put you down with what I got going on. If you want to roll with it, then you roll with it. If not, I understand. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, because that's that whole era to burn out phones and all that. Yeah. 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 So another um, when I was reading about what what explain well, I'm I'm gonna start with this one first. So because they talk about these two guys on the first few episodes on the show. Um, Daniel, Daniel Hirsch, Wayne Jenkins. What was it like when you came in contact with those two? I know you explained it in the book, but for for those who ain't get to the book yet, how like once you came in contact with them and detective, what is it, Lovato? Yeah, Lovato. Um, it's a it's a it's a lot of them. Like Daniel Hirsch, Jenkins, Lovato, Gladstone. Cause when and they when I, I it stood out to me because when you was talking about the whole incident when they um when he was telling you that, was it Lovato that said get out the streets or stop what you're doing or something like that? Yeah, it was Lovato. So what was they was they all playing fair at one point and then they got on that tip or was it like straight up they was just cruddy from the beginning? I mean, I never every time they was more so stopping me it was on some old they was in the neighborhood or they seen me or when they at that particular time when they stopped me when he said that um get out the street or I'm gonna be looking at you down with a flashlight or something like that yeah. to insinuate I'm gonna be shot dead in the street that um I mean they didn't catch no drugs on me except that time after that they found the weed so it was only either it was like a harassment kind of thing or they was trying to get me so I can't really say if Lovato particularly was doing dirty shit because it wasn't a situation where for me to find out. That. Okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. like Lovato, he's, uh, I think he got indicted. Gladstone got indicted. Herschel got indicted. Jenkins, basically, that whole little uh, organized crime division back then, they all, most of them is indicted. Right, right. All that shit came to the, to the front. Because yeah. that, and me knowing from the outside looking in, you and anybody that's even if they ain't in the shit, they know how shit go. But when you read this, when you was telling the story in the book and then you was bringing up a lot of situations, it, it kind of made me feel like all these police, they know what they doing and they know what we going to do type of shit. And it's like, it made me, it, it came into my, into my head to play like, it's a, it's really, I know we call it a trap and everybody know it is a trap for real, but it really is a trap because it's like they already like they, they got this shit planned. They got it. Mad. They know what a nigga going to do. They know where to go. They know what to find. They know how to everything, how a nigga move. It's like but so many ways you can outsmart these people for real. And it's th that and that's what I was getting from when I was reading It's like you you came to your conclusion as as what you was telling this story. Like this shit really is a rap for real. Said that they all know what you're going to do because ain't nothing new under the sun. Right. Whatever right. that's been going on, been going on since forever. Yeah, yeah. And everybody, everybody try to jump out there. They think they going to outdo better than the next one or the last right. one, but they they undefeated. Them people undefeated. Right. Ain't no, ain't no question. Yeah. Ain't no question about that. Yeah. And um, I was reading more. The one I was tripping off the part where you said, uh, if I die in this car, Kelly will kill me because you was with the chick in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't no motherfucking question out of all the shit to think about. That was the main shit that was on my mind. Like, I don't goddamn well, I ain't had no business dealing with this broad. I got her in the car. Man, that would have just been like, and it was just more so, I, that would have just been, a, it, it's embarrassing now because 
at the way that now everything is really coming out when I'm saying shit that I did and all that. It's embarrassing that I was doing that thing to that lady. She was a good lady. Yeah. But it was just been more so embarrassing. I'm in a car with a bra and I get killed. And right, I, and right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. Just, she, she don't deserve nothing yeah. that's happening now. She would deserve that. You know what I'm saying? Right. I know exactly what you meant. It's just that that is that show how much you care to even think that. I fuck my life is by his what she would have did if I if that's what happened. But it's just that's just the way all this stuff is is um is it's like and I what I was getting into my next question was it's just it's like uh this call is from a federal prison. Like viewing yourself from the outside, looking and righting your wrongs and knowing what you was, what you could have did better as a man. But we do that every day. You reflect and think about what you did and what you could have done better as a man. And you learn from your mistakes. And that's what I get from reading this book, too. You learn it from your mistakes. Um, the question that I was saying when I was when I brought that up was when you talked about your epiphany. That was a real, a real strong point in that book. And it stood out to me. So for the, for, like I said before, for the people who didn't read yet, talk about when you came into your epiphany and you started to realize about your, your um, the higher powers and things like that. Like, when did that hit you? And when did you come to this conclusion? Like, I got to change my life. Yeah, um, I was I was just fucking up, basically. Um, things wasn't going smooth for me at a particular time. I would say late 15 and throughout 16, and like it's like everything I touched was like turning into nothing. Like I was fucking up this money, fucking up that money. I was oh oh this dude, oh that dude, and just things wasn't going right for me at the particular time. And as a drug dealer, you, you financially up and down. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of felt like it was a a thing where I was unhappy because I ain't had the money I wanted. Mm-hmm. So then I start, you know, I made my plug, made call. He, come through and now I'm getting money again like how I'm used to getting money but then I started to realize that I didn't have um I wasn't happy right even with the money so then I knew that it was something more than that right and I started going this places going that places buying unnecessary shit to try to make myself happy and I would never be happy mm-hmm. so um one day I sat on my porch and I just was like confused about you know what the hell was the problem and I could never figure it out so um when I got locked up, but this for the federal case, it was like, you know, a, a month went by and I'm down Supermax. And I'm like, you know, it hit me like a brick, like a brick from off the top of the building. And I was like, I was shocked. And I, it, it all came together. Like, you know, I just realized why I was unhappy. And then my conclusion was that I was tired of the life. Right. I was tired of the girls. I was tired of the gambling, drinking, yeah. drugs, selling drugs. And, Watching everywhere I had to go and watching my back and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it was like, I, I was tired of all that shit. It got so old. I, I was, it got, yeah, it got, it been old. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like, I don't know. And then I don't know what the hell was the reason for me not to be able to really, um, what was so hard for me not to understand that? Right. You know what I'm saying? So then I started reading the Bible and the Bible, you know, I started from the beginning and then I just started reading. And then, um, I kind of set it aside, and then when I went to, uh, after I got into the feds, I was on lockup, and I started reading the Bible again, and it came across talking about how God will blind you. Mm-hmm. He'll make you, you know, he'll blind you. he like, and when I say blind, I don't mean like you can't see, yeah. but he like, he like hardens your heart. Right. And I hear, block your mind from understanding certain stuff. Right. 
Quran talks about it as well. The Quran says that uh, God will put a veil over your face. Right. And that's just no different than the Bible saying God will blind you. So I came to realize that that's why I didn't understand why I was unhappy. And it was God's only going to move when he's ready to move. For sure. And I'm saying, so For it's sure. like, you know, when he, when he wants you to see this particular thing, you're going to see it clear. Right. Right. So that's what I kind of felt like that I was hard. He he didn't want me to see that I was tired of the life because he had whatever he had plans for me, which is where I'm at today. Right. And this is it's, it's say we got thirty seconds. I, I just wanted to say that was super important because I feel like everybody go through that in their life. But once you see somebody else go through it or read somebody else go through it, it it because a lot of people will ignore it if they can or just avoid right. it. But it's important that other people realize that you ain't the only one going through this. I ain't no question. You want me to call you back in an hour? Uh, yeah, yeah, hit me. All right, so reading some more into the book. Um, what I what I picked up from it was you, you've been through a lot of shootings and things of that nature, like this jail sentence, and, and you spoke a lot about getting incarcerated a few times throughout your years of being in the streets. Um, I know you you basically touched on it through our conversation so far and in the book, but in the long run, and I'm asking you this because I, I had a, another guest on the show with a similar situation. Do you feel like all of it was worth going through, jumping in the streets and, doing, and living this lifestyle? Um, no, I don't think it was worth it. I, I don't think it was worth it. But this may sound kind of uh, crazy to some. But it, it wasn't worth it. And um, but if I had to, you know, base it off of what I know now, I if from what I know now, I wouldn't go out and do the same thing if I could start all over. But if I had to, like a lot of us, like a lot of us, a lot of us had to do what they had to do. Um, I may not be one of the people who had to sell drugs, but um. If you had to sell drugs, I would say that it's worth it to take the risk if you have to. But the problem is that none of us, or at least we act like or think that we have a, a, a plan. But if you have a plan, you stick to it, get in, get out, then it would be worth it. Okay. Because when you continue to, to hustle and hustle and hustle and hustle, if you got a hundred thousand from hustling, what the fuck you still hustling for? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like it, 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 that 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 make that that aspect of it makes it not worth it. Okay. But overall, nobody should be doing it. But some people just have to do it. And like I said in the book, I, I did do's and don'ts for the guys who just can't get out, and who the guys who have to do it, it's do it right. Right. So I don't know if that may make that may not make sense to some, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, and that's that's your honest opinion, and that's keeping it real. Because a lot of people would just say yes and no, and leave it at that. But you gotta be real, like you know the, the yeah, benefits of being. They don't want to touch on certain shit. I'm gonna touch on. I'm gonna say how I feel, and I'm gonna always be honest with myself first and foremost, and with others. So it's like, yeah, they. Deep down inside, it's like, you know, you want to say it, but you ain't say it because you're scared how somebody's going to look at you or whatever. No, I'm going to say how I feel. That's just what it is. Right, right. Because nobody can can uh, deny the benefits that came along with it either. So it's, 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 <laughs> Exactly. Um, benefits the, up the 
Right, right. Did that part, another part that stood out to me was um when you had that conversation with the CEO about when your own boy died. Right. How was it was that? Like, it was like two, three guys at that time. Right, right. How was Thanks. that? How was that for you dealing with losses being in it? Well, well, tell me how you felt about that statement for one, and then two, how how was that losing people while you was in versus being out? I think that the first to address the last part about how it made me feel versus being in versus being out. When I was in at that time, when she said that, God took the veil off my off my face, so I was seeing a lot clearer. Like I spoke about the epiphany. I had to have my epiphany. This call is from a federal prison. I had had the epiphany, so my view of life was completely different than it was versus me being on the street. So when she said, like, you know, I just want to let you know that, you know, she said, uh, what, what did she say? She said that um, I'm glad you're here. Right. And it, it fucked me up at first because I'm thinking that she was on some shit like, oh, you a last drug came, but you need to be locked up. Because they was painting a picture of me. I was responsible for this over, all these overdoses and all that kind of thing. So when she said that, I'm like, damn. And then she said, no, not like that. Because, you know, I see on your Instagram, a slower page, that um everybody who you was around getting killed. Right. So it had me like, damn. It, it kind of made me like I was hurt about them guys getting, getting killed. And I was just more so hurt of anything. So when she said it, it was like, damn. It was like, you know what I mean? Like, and then I was hearing from other people, like, man, they wasn't saying, I'm glad you locked up, but they was like, man, basically saying, if you was out here, man, something would have happened. So yeah. I prefer you to be in there than on the street. Right, right. I had, I had that same kind of situation. My, my little brother passed. He was in the streets, and I, he was locked up in and out a lot. And that's one thing I always say to myself. As many times you've been booked, I, I kind of wish he was booked when this shit happened. So I, I definitely get that. I definitely get that. I'm sorry to hear about your brother too. Man. I appreciate that. I appreciate and I had a, a conversation with a homegirl, and she told me that your brother had passed. And of course, I I know how sensitive situation can be, and I didn't want to see nothing to you about it. So I'm sorry to hear. About no, that. no, it's, it's it's all good. You you know, like like of course, of course, when you outside looking in, when you you know people living a certain way, that's always something in the back of your mind. So it, it kind of. And it, of course, it resonated with me, but it's kind of like you know that's that's kind of like a part of the game type shit. But but um, my um, I wanted to ask you also about uh, you you said like a lot of people's names come up in the book, and I wanted to know um, how did what, what did people try to talk you out of making this book one and two. Um, I know a lot of this shit public information a lot and a lot of people know what's going on or whatever, but was was did you did you was you uh contemplating using specific names a lot? Even outside of the case, like you were speaking on people just, just outside, period. I mean, I got I mean, I would I don't really talk to a lot of people on the street because, you know, when you, when you go to jail, motherfuckers forget about you. I fried my soul. But from what I was hearing, I got a lot of backlash about using people's names in the book and stuff like that. And, of course, when I first wrote the book, you know, um, my baby mother, she was basically telling me, like, man, you know, um, she said she said something basically just talking about, you know, uh, changing names or something in the book or something like that. And I'm like, you know, I ain't like I'm 
for so putting, let's just say uh, his name is uh, Kevin. I'm not putting Kevin's business out there. Or Kevin was selling bricks to me or I'm buying bricks from Kevin and I ain't paying Kevin's name. And everybody knows who Kevin is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it ain't a situation where, it's just maybe a situation where old man Kevin was walking through the Alameda shopping center. Right. That's all I said about Kevin. So why would I need to change Kevin's name if we just walk through the Alameda shopping center? Okay. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that, was, that was my more so point of view about it. But I did change, uh, if you got, if you was a fellowly indicted, I didn't change your name. I kept the name the same. But it was two guys in the book names, last names I did change. But they, for they, for they reasons, you know what I'm saying, and for how I feel. Okay. So, but, but for the most part, I, everybody's name was the same because I wasn't like I was, only people business I put out there was mine. Okay. As far as incriminating shit. Right. And of course stuff that the government may have already said. You know what I'm saying? That was public information. So I feel like if it's public information, you can get the information elsewhere. This call is from a federal prison. When I get the information from me and the untold truth, because that's, that's basically what it is. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. Okay, I got you. I, I, I definitely got a lot of mouth about that, though. Yeah, you, I just kind of felt like that was people just having, they was going to have something to say regardless. Even if I did change the name, it would have been something else. Okay, true, true. It, it's a no-win situation in this kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? True, true. So it was, it was, my opinion. was it kind of like a thing of like you, you just strictly was, um, strictly just telling, just telling the story at a time and painting that picture and just like, because I know like sometimes people would sit down and they'd be like, piece it out and be like, all right, well, I'll leave this out, leave that out. But you kind of, was it kind of like a thing, like, it just was like, I'm just telling my story just straight off rip. Yeah, I, I, I was telling my story straight off rip. That's the untold truth. And, you know, I'm just telling my story. I left out some shit, though, don't, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's some stuff that you can't discuss. Right, right. You gotta take that shit to the grave. For sure, for sure, for sure, for so sure. So I left out. I left out that, but I want to make the book as interesting as possible, and all, everything in the book is a, is a fact. And I ain't, I ain't, a, I ain't put a ten on a two or nothing like that. I said it, I said it was what it was, and that's exactly what that's just what it was. Right. You are you, know you still you are you still cool with most of the like the guys you was involved with with the, with the case and, and your friends before you went, and y'all still got a good relationship. Um, I don't talk to nobody. I talk to one dude. Um. And he cool. He ain't read the book, but I don't think him reading the book. I don't. First of all, I don't know who read the book, who did read the book. When it comes to my co-defendants, okay. And like I explained in the book, I wasn't working with my co-defendants from 2010 to 2016, which is the time of the charge. That's what they charged me for. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm really locked up for conspiracy, conspiring with guys who I didn't conspire with. Right. So it's like, you know, uh, it's it's a bunch of wild shit. But no, I got to ask you a question. I ain't talked to, talk to none of them guys. I don't really talk to nobody for real. Pause. Man, I, you, man, I don't talk to nobody. No, man. I understand. I understand. You ain't even got to say no more. I understand. I understand. Like you said, out of sight, out of mind once you get in there. So. Yeah. Um. One, the, another thing that was interesting, if you could real quick about... um. McDougal about the line in the case. I, I got that chapter when you was breaking all that stuff down. 
I wanted to go into it about it, but I know I, I know I'd rather you say it because you can get more detail or important details. And in about uh was his name was the officer named Gwen when you were saying Gwen was lying also a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gwen was lying. He lied. Um McDougal, I mean it's like it's, it's thousands of pages of documents that you get that called discovery. Mm-hmm. So I, I reviewed a lot of it. I think I reviewed everything at least once, but you gotta really dig it dig deep into it. And they got a protection, they got a uh, discovery agreement. And the discovery agreement is where you can't leave the defendant with a copy of it. Mm-hmm. He only can review it. So from the only lie that I've seen so far that McDougal told was that he put in the affidavit for the wiretaps. And the same thing probably was presented to the grand jury to get me indicted. He told most likely the grand jury, and he put in the wiretap to the judge that I was responsible for these overdoses because my phone number was in one of the victim's contacts, or the victim may have called me earlier that day. Okay. None of that proves that I'm responsible for the overdose, but you misleading this judge in the grand jury to believe I was responsible. was impossible. The it was impossible, was man. Right. It was impossible. Now, the dude, Gwen, he tells the FBI that he seen me and Gondo at most. That, when, I, when I heard that, and I learned that be one of the journalists, they told me about that. Mm. So I'm like, I don't even know this dude, Gwen. So it was like, I don't, I, but furthermore, I was never at no most with Gondo. So it was like, why would you tell the FBI that? It's like, I, I, I quite didn't understand. I, I didn't understand it at all. Now, if I was at Mose Lugando, I would just say, man, look, I was at Mose Lugando. Right. The Baltimore City Police Office, my code offender. Right. So it was like, I, if, I was, if I was there, then I would just say I was there, man. But I wasn't. Right. I got you. That's crazy. The phone went hang up, man. I don't want to get into Gondo, man, man, this relationship, man, so people can really know because there's a lot of different stories out there and people kind of frown their face up at me as it relates to me and Gondo's relationship. Call back when you can. When when can you call back? I'm going to call back in an hour. All right. Call me. I'll be ready. Okay. All right. Back. All right. Yeah. See, we own the city painted the picture that, you know, me and Gondo was cool and we in the club high-fiving about robberies and things like that. And, um, so, so that was one thing, but then before the We Don't City came out, when the indictment first hit, people were like, damn, you're fucking with the police, and this, that, and the third, and a whole bunch of, you know, different stories and different versions of shit going around. But the truth really is, like I explained in the book, and Gondo relationship was to simply bring girls and parties. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a, we was... Uh, best friends or we was, you know, 
real good buddies. I knew Gondo before he was a cop. He's from my neighborhood. So we both know each other from past, from our, I say past life, meaning, you know, uh, before he was a cop, before I was a drug dealer, basically. Right. In so many words. So it's like, you know, my, the way I thought was like, hey, man, you know, I'd be all different kinds of places. You may see me out Westport. You may see me walking up Milton Avenue. Or you may see me walking down Park Heights. So it's like me knowing Gondo works multiple sides of town. I don't want him to be working this, this particular side of town and I got something going on over there or I'm just hanging out and this thing and he wants to, you know, let me, let me go in and fuck with bro. Bro, don't fuck with me. Right. So I didn't want him to think I didn't fuck with him because of what he did for his living. Right. Which is the, the stereotype that everybody, you know, that street cold is, oh, he a cop, you don't fuck with him. I mean, I understand that, but it's, all situations is different. True. So, you know, I felt like, hey, let me go ahead and befriend this guy. If he wants to hang out and shit like that, I don't see a problem with that. It ain't like I'm talking to him about my business or I'm giving him information or vice versa. He's not giving me any information about cop stuff or pertaining to what he does for a living. So, you know, I don't consider me going to a club in D.C. with him on three different occasions, hanging out with him. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, that's just, people kind of flipped that in. The government flipped it to make it seem like, oh, he was protecting my supposed to be organization. Like, no, that that that, that wasn't the case. So they came up with that. They they came up with that idea. Was it the government? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, I can see why they came up with the idea because for the most most of the time, the government. If they don't have the facts, they'll make it up. Right. To prove they, you guilty. Famous, yeah, yeah. They, they famous for manipulating circumstances. So the circumstances really was that, I guess, to my, in my opinion, they got on Gondo from the robbery that he says he did uh, when he robbed uh, the dude, Aaron Anderson. Right. So uh, from that aspect, they got on him. And just so happens they was on me. And they was on Aaron Anderson as well. So it's like when my, my phone was tapped and I called Gondo one day. I called him because I found the GPS on my car. So originally I was going to call 911 because I wanted to know put the GPS on there. I know, I don't know guys personally, but I know of guys that put GPSs on your car and they, they, they rob you. These freak dudes. Right. So I wanted to know if it was the street dude or was actually the police. So I didn't call 911 because, like, damn, I can't. What the fuck I'm going to say? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yeah. I'm like, well, damn, I know a police officer. Let me call him. And I knew God, though. Mm-hmm. People do this kind of thing all the time where, oh, they uh, a civilian may get in trouble or may have an issue. They call their uncle who's a cop. Yeah, to, to help him out. To get, right, to get some advice. So mm-hmm. I just call him. I really didn't need no advice from him, but I, I called him and I'm like, yo, I found the, you know, I made a joint on my car. You know what I mean? I mean, he's like, man, but at this point, it's it's a loss. And, um, you know, I mean, you already know what's up. So that was basically everything he, everything he told me was so that I already knew. Okay. So they took that call and was like, damn, this guy, he working for Brill or shit like that. So they flipped the whole story around in the media, the news, and the government. So it was a whole bunch of bullshit. So that was basically my relationship with Gondo. 
wasn't that we was, you know. Yeah. This call is from a federal prison. People try to make it to be out something. Yeah, they blew it up more than what it was. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Do you feel like this case in this in this case period did they make you seem bigger than what you really were? I would say yes. I would say yes, definitely. And it's like um, I would say I would say absolutely yes for the police aspect and things like that. But like I say in the book, I had multiple guys working for me. Well, the seven years that the seven year conspiracy they say was going on. And none of the guys who was working for me at the time are in prison today. Okay. So it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of like they making the same like, oh, I had these people working for They trying to make it seem like I had the guys I was charged with working for me. They wasn't working for me. Right. Okay. But there were other guys working for me that they didn't know nothing about. And if that was the case, everybody would have went down. Yeah, everybody would have went down. That's why I, I put, I got the uh, chapters, uh, use and don'ts in my book. And I speak about that because I know the stuff that I was doing was working. Because if it wasn't working, they would have been, I would have been in more shit than I'm in now. Right. So that's why I'm like, you know, hey, I kind of got some experience with this kind of thing. And I want to share it with the people. That's why I put it in the book. Has it been like, since you've been incarcerated, has it been young, like anybody that that came in there that was familiar with the case and you basically gave them, I say younger, younger, younger guys came in your contact familiar with the case that was going on that you gave that kind of like heads up to about? Um, no, it, it wasn't really. I okay. mean, most of the guys that I came in contact with, I only been to two different prisons, one in both in West Virginia, and the guys who was there was basically older guys who've been, not really older, but they've been locked up for five, six, seven years, gotcha. eight, nine years. So they don't really know, you know what I'm saying? But once they call up on the street, Ain't no question. They like, oh yeah, I know. I heard. I heard of your war. Yeah. That and the third kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you. What well, um uh, that that situation you was talking about about uh, Anderson and, and then kicking the door and with that situation, that that was like on the first two episodes of the show too. And they they made it seem like um I know what your what your book and what it was seen like on the show. They basically say that it was the the that yo did the setup situation and thing, but that was something that they tried to involve you in with as well. Well, the, the, the show did, and the show did, but the government didn't. Oh, okay. Remember not one time did the government say that oh I was uh I orchestrated it or I got some of the drugs that they got. Oh, so the show made that loud. Yeah, the show twisted that around. Oh, okay. And that's the reason they did that is because I, I wouldn't say I was, you know, one of the main characters, but I was talked about, my name was mentioned a lot. So it was like, why not go ahead and flip it and put it to, he set it up. Yeah. Really putting it how the evidence came out at trial. Right. Yeah. Dang. That, that that's, was, that's fucked crazy. up. Yeah, but that's TV for you though. Yeah, you definitely, definitely for sure, for sure. You got um, it's it's definitely some some. Well, you feel like you think you're gonna do any more books because it's definitely painted a serious picture. Yeah, I'm actually preparing another book now, but it's like that book more so was my life then, how I thought, how I talked. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So this next book is to be about. 
basically picked up from there. Right. I believe I'm going to get a time back. I'm in the process of fighting that right now, and I think that I should, I think I'm going to get some reverence, God willing. So I'm going to think about the process that I went through to get the time back. Speak about uh, my understanding of life now and how I view my relationship with men and women. You know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. I'm dealing with and the females, you know, all that. Womanize the kind of thing is over with for me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like I I, I view I just view life differently, and I'm just going to get elaborated some more on that aspect amongst other topics as well. So this this situation, this incarceration, this time, this this basically matured you. All the other situations ain't really hit you until you got this time right here. Well, to be honest with you, when you said something about it earlier, you just you didn't really say it. You just made a little statement about it. But the most time I ever did in my life was seven months prison time. Okay. So the most the, the, the longest jail sentence I got was one year. On one year, you do seven months state. Right. This call is from a federal prison. But I never, I never did no time before. But I believe that, as I did some time five, six, seven years ago, I would have did five years, uh, seven years ago. I wouldn't be in prison today. Right. Because I love my freedom too much. Right. Right. You, you feel like this, this one, um, this, this one matured you. I know. Oh, so early I was saying that because I know in your story you were saying you got locked up a few times, and you know. Yeah, I got, I got, I got locked up quite a time, a lot of times. Yeah. So I beat a lot of shit, and shit got you out, and so that's just basically how I go in the city of Baltimore. Right, but you know, with certain people, it, it don't, it don't take but so many times, and some people was like, shit, that wasn't about nothing. I keep going. But for what you saying, I said that to say from what you saying now and what you saying in this conversation in your book, it sounds like this 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 situation matured you as a man, like you grew up with this situation. But I know you talked about your epiphany and that I feel like that was the transition that you changed in your life anyway. But this like now is like I see world the world in a different view now. Yeah, it definitely matured me. I think it was all God. It was all God taking that, that veil off me. I'm in here with guys, and, and it blew your mind the shit they still think about. Yeah, that's right. locked up 15 years. I, I, I can't understand it. And they still and on that, that one track mind. They still on it. And the thing, my own, the thing I go to is God just ain't ready for that man to see. True, true. That's a that's fact. All. That's, that's how a I fact. That's a fact. So you got you you got anything else you want to share on a, on a, on this one? Because I'm a, I'm a I'm a tap back in with the book and then we reconnect. The next time we reconnect, I definitely add some more. But if there's anything else you want to share, you can you can get it off right now. I know we got got like four minutes. Um, nothing really, nothing I can really think of. I just want definitely want to address the uh the Gondo thing, man, his relationship. Um, I wanted I wanted to address the. Um, situation with the words, people's names in the book, because I guess a lot of people had something to say about that. Yeah. So I, I addressed that. I, I kind of felt like I addressed it. So. And that was the conclusion of our phone calls. We're definitely going to keep this going, try to get as much information out as possible. Like I said on the last episode, you got any input, any comments, leave them on the YouTube page, reach out to me on email or the IG page, let me know how you feel, what's your thoughts, if you got anybody that want to share their story or contribute to this story as well, let me know. We need answers podcast. Be down, and guess what? We need answers. 
fresh up off the track. Uh, 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 bitch, I hustle hard, gotta get that bag. Uh, uh, bitch, I'm with the gang and my whole team drag. Uh, uh, you talking about some money, bitch, you need some more, you need some more. Mike, Mike, and Wong got that way, bitch, watch your boat, bitch, watch your boat. How about this perk?